confession as we uh, draw near to him um, and uh, hear his word. I hope I'm audible. We have, um, before that, uh, let me welcome um, our first time visitors. They were introduced, um, but I see a brother there at the back with a, a red suit. Uh, uh, please do feel welcome. Um, what is your name? Aubagwe. Uh, Aubagwe, um, make him feel welcome. Um, get to know him even after uh, the church. We have been going through the gospel according to Mark, and uh, we are making good progress in the um, uh, in, in, in this book, um, but my heart desire is that when we hear these ancient words, uh, they will do what the song, um, you know, uh, what we sing in the song, they will change us, they will transform us, they will, um, you know, uh, conform us to the image of Christ, that it will not just be, um, you know, we, we've preached through this book and we've heard this book, but it will be something that, um, you know, we are being washed uh, by the washing of water through the word as Christ does his church. We're looking at Mark chapter 7, verse 31, up until verse 37. Mark chapter uh, 7, verse 31, up until verse 37. And the title of this sermon is um, pretty easy, but it might be a bit long. It's Jesus, he has done all things well. Jesus, he has done all things well. Mark chapter 7, I read from the ESV. Follow me as I read God's word. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, F. Pater, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished, both um, beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is God's word. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, indeed it is your word. Ancient words that are changing us, that are transforming us. We pray that even as we hear it this morning, that our hearts will draw near to you as you work in us. Give me clarity of speech and clarity of thought as I declare your word. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. The, the passage that we just read opens with Jesus leaving the Gentile cities of Tyre and Sidon, headed back to Galilee. But Jesus and his men do not go straight back to the Jewish country. Verse 31 tells us that they went to the Decapolis. If you look at where they were, 
um, if you find a map of the ancient, uh, uh, the, the first century Palestine, uh, you, you look where they were and where they were headed to, you would see that Jesus and his men took the long way around. In fact, going to the Decapolis to get to Galilee is like going to Tawazimbi, um, going to Elizras, and um, finding the N1 to get to Johannesburg. Scholars tell us that a journey of this nature might have taken as long as eight months on foot. If this trip took that long, it would, would, have, it would have represented about 20% of the Lord's total earthly ministry. That is eight months of the Lord's ministry, which we have no record of, right? We, 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 we have no record of. What was he doing? We should ask ourselves. We, we, we can only speculate at this point, but I would imagine that he was teaching them and training them for the difficult days ahead. When he and his men return, Jesus finds himself under increasing attack by the Jews. This will one day, uh, this will be one of the last opportunities that he will have to be alone with his men before he goes to Calvary to die. It is also interesting that Jesus goes to the Decapolis. If you will remember in Matthew chapter 5, in Mark chapter 5, that the people of that region had asked Jesus to leave their country. Remember that? Jesus had cast out a, a, a legion of demons out of the Gerasene uh, demoniac, that man who was chained and who was living in the graveyard. And they, when, when Jesus released him from this uh, demonic possession, they asked Jesus to pack up his bags and leave the town. But Jesus is going back. The people of the Decapolis had rejected and forced him to leave. Now he returns and they receive him with open arms. And you wonder what has changed? Why this change? Well, what made the difference? Well, the answer is found back in Mark chapter 5, verse 19 to 20. Remember when Jesus um, had delivered this man, he talks to this man um, and tells him uh, to, to go back. Right, to go home to his friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for him and how he has had mercy on him. Then this man goes back and, and he begins to declare, what does it say? In the Decapolis, right? How much Jesus had done for him and everyone, listen to this, everyone marveled. That redeemed man went home and told everyone that he had met Jesus. And his life had been transformed. He had been delivered. But most importantly, his, uh, his deliverance was from sin. He had found a relationship with God. He was now at peace with God. And he couldn't keep quiet about it. Everyone had to hear it. You know that, that, that song, I'm just a nobody, trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody. It's man who just couldn't keep it to himself. I wonder, brothers and sisters, if you have that excitement and you can't keep it to yourself, 
I wonder when you think about what Jesus has done for you, is it something that is there something that steers up your heart and you just want to tell uh, your neighbor, you just want to tell your colleague, you just want to tell people that you encounter, is that what is happening in your heart? This man couldn't keep quiet. He was chained before. Now he is bound by the gospel. He is bound by the gospel and all that he wants to do is declare this gospel. Jesus goes back into this town. <laughs> this man has laid a red carpet for Jesus. They welcome and embrace him. And what a lesson for those who know the Lord. We should be in the business of magnifying the Lord, should we? By the way, it thrills my heart that Jesus went back. Right? They, they rejected him, and he would have been justified if he had never went back. But Jesus came back, and it gave them a second chance. Aren't you grateful that he didn't write you off the first time you rejected him, the first time you heard the gospel, the many times you had the gospel and still rejected him? Aren't you grateful that he didn't turn back away from you? I praise his name that he keeps on loving. He keeps on wooing. He keeps on drawing. He keeps on calling until he gets what he's after and praise his name for that. He never fails us. He never gives up. He is faithful. In this passage, Jesus comes to the Decapolis and the people bring a deaf man to Jesus for healing. Jesus heals the poor man and the crowds marveled. They, they saw his power and they were amazed. They, 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 they said, he has done all things well. I want to take this passage and preach on that thought. He has done all things well. I, I want you to see that he still has the power to amaze those who come to him. And let's watch him work in this miracle and learn the lesson contained here. The, the, the first we see in verse 32, the man and his condition. The, the man and his condition. The Bible tells us that this man was death. The, the, the word means to blunt or to dull. It may have been that this man lost his hearing as the result of an injury, or he may, be, he may have been born blind, I mean, deaf. Either way, this poor man cannot hear. Not only was he deaf, but he also had a speech impediment. He could uh, talk, but his speech was impaired. You could not hear what he's saying. These two conditions seem to go hand in hand because a deaf person cannot hear themselves saying words. They tend to have trouble using verbal language correctly. I'll say more about this condition in a minute. While this man's condition is, is tragic, this verse is a blessing. This man, even though he was handicapped, he had people around him that cared about him. They heard that Jesus was passing by and they brought their deaf friend to Jesus. They just believed that the man who had cast out a legion of demons out of a demonia could heal this poor handicapped man. And let me make a few observations about this business of physical uh, handicaps before we move to the next uh, 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 verses. First, this, th th there was something in the heart of Jesus that drew him to the handicapped. 
He loved people who were often cast aside by others. Jesus spent much time ministering to those with physical infirmities because he had a heart full of love and compassion for their needs. I would say that if you want to be like Jesus, you should reach out to the handicapped. He loved them and ministered to them, and we should do the same. Besides that, handicapped people seem to be drawn to Jesus, and do you know why? It's because he accepts them and loves them just the way they are. They are looking for that kind of love and acceptance from a society that rejects them because they are different. Jesus loves them like they are, and so should we. There are many handicapped people who would love to hear the gospel if someone only cared enough to tell them. Another observation that arises from these verses has to do with heaven. I was glad to report, uh, I'm glad to report to you that there will be not a single handicapped individual in glory. There will not be a shriveled body, a feeble mind, a paralyzed frame in that glorious land. All will be made well. We will have new uh, and glorious bodies. Those precious people who have suffered so much in this world and have trusted Jesus will be delivered from forever from their wheelchairs, from their crutches, their beds and their institutions. Their bodies will be made whole and their minds will be renewed. Praise the Lord. The third observation serves to remind us that the physical healings Jesus performed are the illustrations of what um, he can do in the spiritual realm. You may have a good mind and a healthy body today. You might not be blind, deaf, crippled, paralyzed, mentally challenged today, but if you are lost, if you don't know Jesus, you have a far more serious handicap than any physical handicap ever endured by anyone in the history of the world. If you are lost, you cannot hear God. You cannot see what he is doing. You cannot serve him. You cannot walk with him. Your physical, your spiritual body is crippled. And if you die in that condition, you will be lost forever. That is a serious condition to be in today. A handicapped person who knows Christ and a person with a whole body who doesn't know Christ. When they enter glory, the handicap will put away their wheelchair, walk into glory. The person with a whole body will wish that they did not exist as they enter the worst torment to ever be endured in this world. One of these days, the, the physically and mentally handicapped person who have trusted Jesus will leave their infirmities, as I said, forever. They will go to heaven and they will get new bodies and perfect minds. But if a person dies without Jesus, they will leave this world and drop off into hell. That is far more serious than any physical handicap a person can endure. So we see the man and his condition. Verse 33 to verse 35, we see the master and his cure. They're the master and his cure. The, the, the people bring this poor man to Jesus and he does great work in the man's life. I, I want to take a few minutes to watch how Jesus ministered to this man. The, the first thing I noticed is that Jesus took him aside. 
Do you notice that? He took him aside. The crowd expected Jesus to touch him right there and heal him, but Jesus is a gentleman. He does not embarrass the man more than he already is. This man is deaf. He probably has no idea what is going on. The deaf will tell you that their affliction makes them a special class of people. Blindness and most other physical handicaps can, can be seen by others. And those who see the handicap make special allowance for the handicapped person. But you can't see that a person is deaf. Often people will grow impatient with a deaf person because they are having trouble understanding something. Sometimes people treat the deaf like they are less intelligent than others just because they cannot hear. Often the deaf are embarrassed by their condition and they withdraw into themselves and rather than face a harsh staring public. Jesus refuses to make a spectacle of this man. Jesus takes him aside and does a great work in his life. But by taking him aside, Jesus is, is, is effectually saying, you are more than a problem. You are an individual and you are important to me. I care about you. I want you to know that we must thank God for the personal ministry of Jesus. He, he, he doesn't treat people like they are mere numbers. He, 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 if you just look at the ministry of Jesus, he healed many people, but his method varied from case to case. He touched a leper. He, spit, he put spit and dirt in a blind man's eyes. He made one blind fellow go to a pool and wash his eyes. Others he healed from a distance. Every case was different, and every case merited spiritual attention from the master. Jesus never uses a cookie cutter for people. He meets you where you are. He may have saved you and me by the same blood and the same gospel, but I guarantee you that he used a different method in each of our lives. If we were to stand and share our testimonies of how we came to the Lord, you will find various ways that the Lord has used, but it is the same gospel. I love that about God. You can't put him in a box. He doesn't always work the same way. But there is one constant that you can depend on. Jesus cares for you on a personal level. He will work in your life in a manner unique to you. You are special to him and he will honor that special relationship in his dealings with you. Jesus continues his special ministry in this man's life. He cannot tell the man verbally what he's about to do, so Jesus uses rough form sign language to communicate his intention. First, he sticks out his finger in the man's um, uh, ears to let him know what he is going to do, that, that he's going to do something about his deafness. He spits on his finger and touches the man's tongue to let him know that he's about to lubricate his speech. That's gross, right? But that is what Jesus did. Someone used this text in a, in a, in a, in a very um, foolish way, I think, last week, uh, by <laughs> illustrating and spitting on someone uh, on the pulpit. Uh, that's not how. But that's, even, that's not even the point of the passage, right? It would seem that Jesus is attempting to awaken faith in this man's heart. He's trying to get the man to understand that, Jesus, that something is about to happen in his life and that Jesus is going to bring about the changes. 
whatever the reason for his actions, Jesus reaches out and touches this man. And praise the Lord for the master's touch. He touched the sick and made them well. He touched the rod of leprosy and made it clean. He touched the paleness of death and brought life. Jesus wasn't afraid to touch the defiled. He wasn't afraid of being defiled himself because unlike the Jews who are afraid of being defiled by people, when Jesus touches them, the, their defilement don't come on him, but his righteousness goes on them. His cleanness goes on them. He knew that sickness and death had to yield to his holiness and power. Jesus just walked up to this poor man and touched him. Praise the Lord for his touch. When we could not get when we could not get to him, he left heaven and came into this world to die for our sins. He could not, when we could not touch him, he came to our world, lived among us, died on the cross and saved us and he touched us. Glory to God. He didn't shy away from our defilement, but he took our sins upon himself so that he might be saved, that we might be saved. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 says God made him uh, sin who knew no sin so that we can be the righteousness of Christ in God. I remember when I was young I'm, I'm starting to understand these things now and we were a church uh, you know uh, some church settings are more e e eruptures when it comes to singing and, and so on. Uh, fun fact my wife was also there when we were young. <laughs> um, uh, when, when someone, uh, their life changes, and, and we knew them in the community as a drunkard. We, we knew them in the community and as, a, as an abuser, and, and they would share uh, what Jesus has done for them. There would be a song in, in, in the crowd coming from a, a lady or a man, and, and you would hear a song, He touched me. Something wonderful happened. And I know that the, the people will join in song celebrating what God has done in this man or in this woman. Thank God for the master's touch. I wonder if he has touched you, brothers and sisters. I wonder if his fingerprints remain on you. Because you cannot say, I am touched by him. But there is no uh, you know, indication that you are touched by him. You cannot say, Jesus touched me. But your life is not reflecting the fact that Christ is being displayed. It is not reflecting the fact that you are bearing fruit. Has he touched you? And if he has touched you, where are his fingerprints on your life? Where are his fingerprints on your soul? Has he touched you? Some say he has touched me, but they continue in sin. Some say he has touched me, but they continue in an unloving way, in unforgiveness. They continue not honoring him with their lives. They continue, uh, uh, you know, not putting him on the margins of their, of their schedules. They schedule him and they come to church once in two months. But they say, he has touched me. The redeemed are saved and the lost can be saved. 
because Jesus was willing to touch us where we were. By the way, if you are going to reach the lost for Jesus, we are going to have to go where they are. We are going to have to touch them where they live. We cannot isolate ourselves from them. We, we must not be partakers of their sins, of course, but we must make the vital connection of touch if we would be effective for Jesus. After touching him, Jesus looks towards heaven. Think about that. He looks towards heaven. The, 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 this act served two purposes. First, it told the deaf man where the healing was coming from. Jesus was looking to his father and he was telling this man via sign language that his healing was coming from above. This act of looking towards heaven also demonstrated the son's dependence upon the father. Jesus often looked to heaven for the help he needed. He, he did this at the tomb of Lazarus, remember? In, 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 in John chapter 11, verse 41, he looked to heaven. Jesus lived a, a life of close communion, and the father used him. If you and I would be as effective as we could be, we must live lives of close communion with the Father. We, we, we would be more effective in our outreach if we would be more effective. Uh, we would be more effective in our ministry to others if we live close to the Lord. If you want to be used by the Lord, stay close and stay clean. Spend time with him and spend time in his word. He blesses those who make him a priority. Now, now, now look at this. After looking towards heaven, what, is, what does it say? He sighed. This word means to groan. The deaf man could not hear the sigh, but he, he could see Jesus when he did it, and, and it spoke volume to him. The, the sigh said, I care about you and what you are going through. And I praise the Lord, we have a Savior who cares. Right? He's a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, Isaiah 53, verse 3. He, he, he is touched with the feeling of our infirmities, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. He cares about you and what you are facing. Regardless of what you're facing today, you will find help and hope in him. Did you notice that his sigh of compassion immediately follows a time of communion with his father? When, when, when one has been in the presence of the Almighty, the harshness of human experience will become even clearer. That the closer we live to the heart of God, the more we can feel the heartache of our fellow man. That the secret of compassion is a life of close communion with the Heavenly Father. The, the closer our communion with Him, the more effective our ministry to the world around us. I pray the Lord will help us develop a heart of compassion that desires to alleviate the needs it sees. That is his will for us. It is his will for us. Then Jesus said one word, F pata, which means, as Mark was writing to non-Jewish people, and he would include explanations, it means be opened. When Jesus said this, this man's ears were healed and his tongue was loosed. He could hear, he could speak. Oh, what a miracle. One command from Jesus and his life was changed forever. This is the power of the word of God. I have seen spiritually deaf ears opened by the word of God. I have seen spiritually blind eyes opened by the word of God. I've seen spiritually dead people raised to life by the word of God. I've seen lives changed by the power of the word of God. 
That is what our Savior can do. When he moves in power, he can do that for you today. Lastly, I want us to see, we saw the master and his cure in verse 33 to verse 34 to verse 35. I want us to see in verse 36 to verse 37 the multitude and their confession. As soon as he has accomplished this miracle, Jesus tells the multitude not to tell anyone else. He does not want to be identified as a Gentile Messiah. He, he, he came to the Jew first, then to the Greek. Remember Romans chapter 1, verse 16? I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. So he tells them to keep quiet. The tense of the phrase, he charged them, suggests that he kept commanding them to keep their matter quiet. But they did the opposite. He told them to tell no one, and they told everyone <laughs> about Jesus. It's amazing, right, if, when you read this book, and, and these people are the people who rejected Jesus and sent him out of their city. And now they are the people who can't keep quiet about Jesus, and they want everyone else to hear about him. It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. And men like Paul, who persecuted the church, killed Christians, threw them in jail, became men that were used for the kingdom. It's amazing that even our prayers today, as we pray for countries like Afghanistan, men with guns who are killing people are struck with the power of the gospel. And they turn and they share the same Christ that they try to annihilate. You see, brothers and sisters, God uses the evil plans of men who are trying to destroy his name and his kingdom to bring about good. We, we can even use the words of Joseph to his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. In other words, God is always there. God is always in control. He is not like a, uh, like a headless chicken running around wondering what am I going to do about the situation in Afghanistan. He's there. He's working. He's in control. He's working in the hearts of his enemies. He's working in their hearts. And what a contrast. That is with the way we are, right? He told them to tell no one and they told everyone. He commands us to tell everyone and we tell no one. Strange. Like those folks, every child of God should be in the publishing business. We should be spreading the news that Jesus is a life-changing, soul-saving Lord. That is his command, remember? That is our obligation. Go and make disciples of all nations. In fact, this is our mission as a church, Central Baptist Church. It's our mission to make disciples. That is what he has equipped us to do. Jesus did not tell us uh, to witness just when we feel led to witness. He expects us to tell the world about him. Get up and get at it. You've got a story to tell. 
The Bible tells us that the people were astonished beyond measure when they saw Jesus do what, uh, uh, when they saw Jesus do what was more uh, than their minds could ever understand, could ever comprehend. It left them with their mouth hanging open in, in amazement. They summed up everything they felt about Jesus by saying this. He has done all things well. The statement was a statement of faith. They looked at all they knew about Jesus and they voiced their approval of his ministry and, 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 and his, his person. They, admit, they considered his miracles and his ministry and they said, he has done all things well. I remember again, Forgive me, when we were in church and I was young, and as I said, I'm starting to, 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 to appreciate those things now. As, as a, a sinner would come to Christ, and, and, and as uh, we had testimony time, and they would testify, and we would have songs like, He has done great things. Hallelujah. He has done great things. I can echo the words of that multitude in my own heart today. He has done all things well. I can look back at the past and tell you that he has never failed me. Even when I was a sinner, he was patiently leading me along uh, to that moment in time when he would save my soul, praise his name. Since that day, he has been better to me than I deserve. He has blessed me, used me, and, and let me see his power time and time again. He has done all things well. I look back over the days of my life and lift my voice in praise to the Lord. And, and all I want to sing is, he has done great things. He has done all things well. As I stand here and look to the future, it gives me great confidence to know that he will continue to do all things well. We, we may not understand all the twists and turns of the road of life. We may wonder why some people, uh, some terrible uh, things happen in life to, to, to some people and to us. We, we, we may wonder why, why these things happen, why people get sick and others have to die. We, we do wonder about all these other things. Right now, some of you have question marks as tall as mountains in your, in your mind over certain events of your life. And I can tell you, why life? I, I, I can't tell you why life has gone the way it has for you. I will venture on to say that when you leave this world, either by death or by the rapture, you, you, when you stand in his presence in heaven, you will look back over the days of your life and you will say, he has done all things well. When you stand before him in glory, your voice will join the chorus of all the saints of the ages, and together we'll praise him for his grace and his goodness, and we will all shout, let's say it, he has done all things well. We praise him for his patient, loving, sovereign work in our lives. The man in this text met Jesus that day, and his life was never the same again. You see, meeting Jesus changed everything for this man. He can do the same for you and for any person who will come to him today. Why? Because he does all things well. If there's a lost person here, let me speak to you for just a moment. If you will come to Jesus today, you will find that he does all things well. He can save your soul from sin and from hell. 
He can change your life. He can give you eternal life. He, he does all things well. Come to Jesus and see for yourself. But whatever your spiritual condition, whether you are saved or lost, Jesus can help you today. He can deliver you from addiction and from lust. He, he, he does all things well. He, he can forgive your sins and help you live a godly life. He does all things well. He, he can lift your burden and give you peace in your heart. He does all things well. That word all is a mighty big word, isn't it? It covers a lot of territory. He, he, he does all things. In other words, there's nothing that is too hard for him. There's nothing that he cannot do. There's nothing that is impossible for him. Impossible is not a word in his vocabulary. Well, when it comes to it's impossible for the Lord to lie. It's impossible for the Lord to break his promises. All things are possible with him. Come to him and let him teach you the truth today. He can fix it for you, so leave it in his hands. He has done all things well. Hallelujah. He has done all things well. Amen. Let us pray. Indeed, our Lord, you have done all things well. It is clear in our lives, Lord, that when we were lost and blind in sin, when darkness covered us, when we were chained by our lusts, by our anger, unforgiveness, you came as a liberator, died on the cross, gave your life, drew us to yourself. And for that, Lord, we praise you because you do all things well. If there's a brother or sister here, Lord, who doesn't know you, we pray that they will come to know this. In Jesus' blessed name, we pray. Amen.